Acclaimed Irish singer-songwriter Lisa O'Neill has been enjoying some wider attention lately for two reasons. First, there was a spellbinding rendition of Fairy Tale of New York with Glenn Hansard and members of the Pogues at the funeral of Shane McGowan. And second, a cover of Bob Dylan's All the Tired Horses on the last ever episode of popular TV series Peaky Blinders. But the real magic of O'Neill's work is to be found in her own songs. Her live performances and her fifth album, 2023's All of This Is Chance, are seeing her called one of today's great folk singers. I spoke to Lisa O'Neill this week on tour in Australia, and this ahead of appearing at WOMAD in Taranaki in March. And we introduce her now by way of a song from the new album, Old Note. Quantify the feeling I was walking home Half in the dreaming The things that I was thinking I was singing The wind whistled you in Behind the springing I star and rings around the star before me and spun and swooped and sank and rocked beneath me and mirrored what I've carried since I met me and shot me back into the ground below me And there I met another note long buried And I sat upon its shoulders was a memory A humble sea above me's gone so noisy I almost think I do not recognize This week I was watching the Tiny Desk concert that you and your band did last year in Washington. Yeah. Really exquisite, thank you. And you, you, you said in that that you thought the song was about how we communicated before we started to write things down. Yeah, well, I mean, that's called orality. Ah, or- orality. And orality, um, the oral. So... And there was very much a thing here in Australia with the First Nations people. All the knowledge and wisdom is carried in the story, song, on the tongue. And there's tone, you know, and feeling and colour. 
So before we started writing things down, you know, um, it's a different, it's a different approach to life, and um, it's more physical, and it it keeps up the uh, the storytelling in in people, you know. In what way is it more physical, Lisa? Well, to speak rather than to write and read. Mm. I mean, when you speak, you can feel a vibration in your body, right? Yes. There's tone, there's, uh, and when we sing, we've got notes, but we have notes when we speak as well. And we don't, we don't always hear that in writing, you know, yes. it's more of a nice physical. It's like, it's, it's an action from the body rather than just a thought from the mind. And this is something that struck me. And of course, our indigenous culture here, the Māori culture is very strongly an oral culture as well. And, um, the song "Old Note" really struck me of that because the way it's it it it, it sort of unfolds. It, it feels like a for me. It has this this feeling of the wind or or or, or a a, nat, a a natural rhythm and this idea of of old notes that are new among my mind are the words and how it, it moves you. Is that the sense for music sometimes that it, it, it you know you you're almost just the channel for it coming from nature? Yeah, um, I do think. Thanks for all your observations in the song there. They're beautiful. Um, well, I don't the song think is so it beautiful. belongs to us, music. Like, you know, I don't think right. that a tune or an air or anything really belongs to us, but we're carriers and it moves through us. There's constant movement, constant change and flow. So even if a piece of music is uh, ancient, it's going to be new uh, for the new generation as it moves through their mind or, or as it rolls off their tongue, refreshed, through new eyes, you know, mm. but old. Um, I mean, I'm touching on them several subjects in there. And like, you know, the old Irish players um, who would have maybe composed old, uh, beautiful, slow airs were, were often known to be people who would say that it came, the tune came to them and it mm. came in with the wind or it came with the fairies and it doesn't belong to them. It moved through them. Yes. Um, they don't claim credit for that kind of thing. Um, they heard it. Like they heard it in nature. And um, I know that the First Nations people here, the Aboriginal people, are of a, um, similar beliefs that, uh, you know, that they are not, um, they, we don't own things. We're custodians. Yes. You know, so they don't believe to own the land here uh, in Australia. They're custodians of the land. Yes. That's a very, very different way of looking at life. And I think it's the same about music. And with with the state that our uh, struggle that our planet is in at the moment with climate change and global warming, I, I, I think everything's alive. You know, the mycelium and all the plants and yes. the topsoil and, and, and everything alive in the ocean is sort of it's struggling at the moment when I so in the song when I talk about the old notes sort of being uh, sad and that it it hums but it can't really nearly recognize itself anymore above the noise of society above the noise of factories of frequencies of of pollution mm. so metaphorically I'm 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 going uh, to other places too with my simple message. 
Well, I, I love this. I just saw an ex, uh, a performance in an arts festival here in, in Pornicky in Wellington uh, called Hatapatu, which was a really about evoking being in the forest uh, in New Zealand, a Māori, a Māori story. And everything about it was like, I almost felt like I was plugged into the mycelium, the organic whole. Uh, and this song feels like that as well. Do you have to be in a certain place to write music like this then? I mean, do you have to find a place that is quiet and to yourself to let it move through you? Somewhat, yes. Um, I, d- I do need to be alone or skip off if the idea comes to me to try and get it down. Um, there's every now and then, there's there's the odd person I'm so relaxed around that I can just go into the corner and <laughs> they let me be. But it's a um, whatever about environment and the company that you're in, uh, it's headspace is most important. Mm. And to know where I think when the... Uh, when the moment has taken you and to take yourself to follow that moment, I think is, is important because that could happen on a plane. Yes. And you can't go anywhere else or it can, it can happen um, in the, sitting around a dinner table and make conversation because just something has dawned and uh, you know, I might need to skip off to the loop <laughs> to write it down. <laughs> um, but uh, I do try and set myself up by uh, to, to stay in beautiful places and be in nature. I mean, I had a lovely trip down south last week. I took a holiday with a friend to, down to Albany and Bremer oh, yes. Bay and mm-hmm. see the real southwest of Australia and all along the Stirling Range and right into the outback. And uh, I stayed in a forest for a couple of days. And once I arrived there, I knew this is, uh, this is going to inspire me. You know, I was sleeping up in the trees. And so I do seek out beautiful places in nature to go and hope to be inspired. And oh, I'm, I'm pleased to hear it. I was wondering with the success of this new album or last year's album, um, all of this by chance that, you know, it maybe comes harder is that you have more pressures to, to zoom around the world and do performances to people like us, that the writing process might become more difficult, ironically. I don't know about that because I think that uh, for me, anyway, a massive part of it is to have a journey and I'm so inspired when I travel. It's Yes. It, it travel can be hard work. Um, um, I think the hardest thing about traveling for me is the constant uh, readapting, readapting. So I don't get to settle into things so so easily and quickly, and that's where I'm most comfortable. But um, on another level, I'm so stimulated and uh, evoked. Uh, my my mind is a you know it's I'm meeting so many wonderful people from. Um, other parts of the world and cultures and I met some beautiful Maori men actually ah. last week and uh, they were just coming to they were bikers and they'd come back to the place where their friend had died in a little cabin on the bike and trip mm. last year back to give a nod to his spirit again and mm. so you're constantly meeting people along the road to share their story and that's magic you know um, it really is so I'm sort of in this, it's sort of like being in suspended time traveling like this. And my <laughs> yes. diary's full, my diary's full of ideas, not only far from the English language as well, you know, so many words from the Aboriginal, different, different languages, ah, you know, Noongar especially. And uh, yeah, I haven't got to New Zealand yet, you know. How much time are you going to get to spend here, or is it a quite a quick trip this time? I know you've only got the performances at WOMAD, but are you uh, getting to do some travelling here as well? 
I think I'd be there for about a week, so I'll see some. Mm, oh, I'll good. see some for sure. Yeah. Mm. Now you're performing here with Cormac Begley, um, and uh, yeah, I, much is made of him having thirteen concertinas. And I, <laughs> in the tiny desk concert I mentioned before, you play a couple. Uh, I wondered if you could talk a little bit about this instrument and w- what it is, because it kind of creates a bit of a a drone, I guess, which seems to suit your delivery uh, of of of. Uh, of words where the where the voice gets to ride across them. Um, well, I have to have corrected there that I don't play any concertinas. Oh, oh. Uh, no, I don't, but I do play some drone instruments and maybe you're... Ah, what getting, am I seeing then? They are from the family of the concertina. A They're all pipe, related. Still an organ of, of description. Yeah, I have um, I have a, two harmoniums ah. and I have a, also a shruti box and these are... Uh, their origin is India. They're in the family of concertina, accordion, even harmonica. Cormac explains all that very well from Mm. the family of drones. So they all have reeds and they all have bellows. And you can imagine bellows like the lungs fill up the air. And um, what is it about the drone that is so... I mean, I've been working with a wonderful didgeridoo player here as well. (laughs) There's something very earthy about it all. There are instruments that are very much tapped into nature and not concert pitch, you know. Mm. And I, the drone has that and these old reeds have that. When I sing along with one of those drones, I feel like singing for, right from my bass rather than just up here around my chest and my throat. Mm. It inspires that. And I can't help thinking there's a memory from the womb. Because <laughs> I think we would, we're, there's a drone in the, in the womb. There has to be some sort of a constant drone as our mother breeds. Oh, thank you, Lisa. That's a beautiful description of, of, of working with the drone. This album, all of this by chance, the title track, I uh, thought I'd, I'd finish by playing this. Now, it's been inspired by a Patrick Kavanagh poem, if I have that pronunciation correct, called The Great Hunger. That's correct, yeah. Uh, and he says, come with me imagination into this iron house. Uh, it's, it strikes me, all of this by chance and the imagination and, 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 and sort of opening up a house to, to, to creativity, it seems, is that what it's about? A, a sort of reaction to, you know, the importance of, of, of art in a way? Yeah, I mean, I, I can only speculate what I think Kavanagh's poem is about and then you've got all the critics that, to talk about it as well. But I think it's a very important poem, The Great Hunger. Come with me, imagination, into this iron house. I think this iron house is, uh, it represents almost an imprisoned imagination and imprisoned creativity that mm. he didn't feel free to to venture out he didn't feel you know he grew up in a sort of quite a closed catholic small rural community with a very typical ideal for for men and for women and i think uh, kavanagh was at odds with the world his relationship with nature it was was so deep that it was nearly religious. Like he could see God in a leaf yes, and in a, a sod of turf. And he was able to read so deeply into all of that, of how deep the imagination can go in the land. But at the same time, he didn't feel supported. And he, I think that he felt in his community like um, they thought he was a really odd fellow, you know. <laughs> um, but it's his piece is so philosophical. Calvin is talking about the the well, the great hunger. We there was a famine, somewhat of a famine in Ireland in the eighteen forties, which was mm. became known as the great hunger. Over a million people died. Now it was more an attempt to genocide on the Irish people, if mm. we're very honest about it. 
And I think a lot of people think that Kavanaugh's poem is about that great hunger. It's not. He's talking about a starvation, a famine of the spirit and the imagination of the rural Irish people, and particularly the farmer, under the oppression of the Catholic Church. Um, and that the mind spiritually uh, can, can journey much further than what we're being told about ourselves. Clay is the word, and clay is the flesh. With a potato gathers like mechanized scarecrows move along the side fall of the hill. Clay is the word and clay is the flesh. With a mushroom gathers like majestic scarecrows skip along the side fall of the hill. Watch him, that man on the hill Whose spirit is a wet sack For lapping about the knees of time He lives at his little fields may stay fertile When his own body is spread In the bottom of a ditch Under two coulters crossed in Christ's name Be easy Come with me, imagination into this iron house and we'll watch from the doorway the years run back and we'll know what the peasant's left hand wrote on the page be easy October no cackle head horse name Turn for me, my celium sang to me from the 